Hey, Go Boldly Brotherhood. This is Scott. I'm coming back to you live on a podcast. I'm excited about our guest today. I've got Devin Schubert. One of the things I like about Devin is we, my son and he share a, share the same name. And so that's really, that's really cool and exciting. And, um, you know, Devin is a sought after award-winning uh, international speaker and he's a coach and a trainer. Um, he's done some amazing, amazing things. Um, he started multiple reality TV shows with seven figure stages. He makes immediate connections through his own personal experience of foster care and adoption, which really sets him apart of other experts in the field. He's adopted three children of his own as a single father and suffering through a near death experience due to the lack of support and resources. Devin now has dedicated his life to bringing awareness and advocacy of hope, healing, and healthy community to the world through the orphaned heart. Devin, man, I am really, I'm really excited to hear. I mean, that that's a story in and of itself. I think we could probably talk for for hours about um, adoption and being adopted and adopting and just and and doing it as a single father i mean just um, absolutely amazing so dive in man tell me tell me how all this came about yeah well you know i i grew up in an amazing home and i i lived a, a great um upbringing i started churches i started ministries i started nonprofits and businesses uh and then uh adopted three kids and Came home about four years later to my wife uh, at the time, ex-wife now, with her boss. Um, devastated completely, uh, ruined everything that we we had we had talked about and had dreamed of, um, and so ended up being divorced. Lost everything in that um, in that divorce, and uh, rebuilt it rebuilt it all up again. Um, it it was really just a, a time to where I needed needed people, needed support, needed help. Um, during that process of going through a divorce is rough. Um, and, you know, you add on adopted children into that. I have two of them from foster care. And, you know, we bring them into a forever home. And now your forever home is broken. And that causes a ton of re-traumatization. Uh, and when, when two years went by, one of my sons got very physically aggressive. He began having some, some other issues that he has struggled with. And my ex-wife physically kicked him out of the house and I took him out on by myself. Um, and it was a long journey. Uh, we, we were one-on-one -on -one for five years. Uh, we lost all supports. I ended up quitting my job, uh, because I needed to take care of him. We searched, I paid thousands of dollars for help support to get the help that we needed. And it took me to my deathbed, literally, to be able to care for him until finally somebody said, oh, you're going to die? Okay, now we'll help. And think about the way that we love our children. I mean, you said you got a son named Evan, you know, the way that we love our children. And even as men, you know, we'll, we'll die for our families. We'll do it because we're men, but there comes a breaking point to where I don't know how much I can do of this anymore. And what had happened in my body was my mind stopped communicating with my nervous system and it, what, what they called trauma shock. And I would just lay there and shake uncontrollably and I would just sleep. And uh, all that trauma had been encapsulated inside of my body. Um, and it, 
you know, it was a miraculous healing that the Lord did in my life. Um, but it took a journey of being alone and recognizing that, man, there's some people that just don't understand what I'm going through. But you know what? I used to blame them. Like, why, why is everybody running away from me? Why can't anybody just be here with me? But it was yeah. too heavy for them. I didn't I wasn't able to uh, understand from their point of view. And now looking back, I recognize that not everybody's going to understand what you're going through. And that's OK. Um, but we still need to be there for each other and how important that is. And that's really what my goal is now with the foster and adoptive families and, and any type of, of people that have gone through uh, traumatic events like that is, Hey, I'm gonna, uh, my, my motto is, is that I, I love people. Uh, I, I meet people where they're at. I love them there, but I don't leave them there. And oh, that's man. what, uh, that's what I felt God was telling me to do. And so now I'm going to do it for other people. Wow, Devin, that you know, you made you made a very very good point that people people sometimes when they don't know, mm -hmm. and you've heard the saying, you know, we don't know what we don't know, mm -hmm. and when people don't know what you're experiencing or how to handle what people other people are, especially when it comes to trauma. Trauma trauma affects everybody differently, mm -hmm. and you know, I I'm studying studying that right now, working on my doctorate. And, and it's amazing. I think statistically, I, I saw somewhere where 70% of Americans have all experienced some sort of trauma. And what's interesting about that is that's those that have reported it. Mm, absolutely. That's not counting people that have never re reported. And trauma can be, you know, anything from falling out of a boat and feeling like you're drowning to, um, with, with a life jacket on and that can be very traumatic for somebody but for you multiple traumas over over many years and i can't i can't even imagine the guilt that your son and your children may have felt having been in multiple foster cares and suddenly you know i'm in this home is this my fault mm -hmm. i do something to create you know cause mom and dad a divorce and and the same thing for you what did i do to or didn't do yeah you know and i uh my ex-wife my son's mother committed suicide last year mm. and and that has it's been almost a year next month will be a year and it has been mm. absolutely i had lunch or dinner with him the other night and he's just he's at that point of anger mm -hmm. the anger stage mad mm -hmm. at the world mm -hmm. and you know and it's, and I, I kind of get it. I don't know what to do to help him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a hard place, especially for a father. You yeah. know, we want to, we want to rescue. We want to protect. We want to save all those types of things. Uh, one of, one of my, uh, one of my favorite sayings when I speak is this is a normal response to an abnormal situation. So the way that people are responding to things is, is the way that they're going to respond. But men, we have to allow those emotions to come out some way, somehow. I'm so tired of when I grew up, shove it, stuff it all down, move on, get over it. No, no, not anymore. Not going to happen. I'm a crier right here. I cry. I don't care. <laughs> We got to let you know, it out. You know, your, your son getting angry is good. 
So yeah. what, what do you do with that anger now? That's, that's hard. Hard as a dad to watch it. It's, it's hard. And I know that he's got to go through it. If, if I don't allow him to go through it, it's just going to continue to get, to get worse. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and everybody, everybody experiences things to, and men, you're, you're absolutely right. We're told to, you know, to man up, be a man, get over it. And as a counselor, that's something that I've, and a coach or something I've hated hearing people say, my dad told me to get over it. Mm-hmm. You know, I lost my mom. I'm, so, I'm told to get over it. I lost my grandma. I'm told to get over it. I don't think we ever get over anything. I think we have to go through it. Mm-hmm. And we've got to go through hell sometimes in order to get to the other side. Mm-hmm. And then, then there's the triggers. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're you're going along and everything's just fine. And all of a sudden something just triggers you. Mm-hmm. And tell me, tell me about orphaned heart, man. That I absolutely love, love that. Yeah. So orphaned heart is, is a, a nonprofit that we've, we've put together uh, internationally that is bringing hope back to people. So, you know, you think about people that don't have uh, fathers, you know, right now we're dealing with a big fatherless uh, season, this, uh, everything is struggling with that or, or even not having, just having that orphaned heart, not feeling love. Sometimes it's just a perception. Um, yeah. and so we're, we're focused on bringing hope, you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's why we're seeing a lot of, a lot of physical issues, why we're seeing emotional issues. Um, but then we also, you know, once you can regain that hope, uh, we bring in the healing aspect of being able to heal that part and bring the healthy community together. Cause we all need support. We all need community, um, in that area. And so once you have that hope, once you have that healing, you have that community. Now, a lot of people that have struggled with trauma or the orphaned heart, they may have, you know, substance abuse past. They may have jail time. It's hard for them to get jobs. And so we're also building empowerment centers to where we teach them entrepreneurial skills. We teach them trade skills. Um, we're, we're doing um, all types of things with a nonprofit to just bring awareness and advocacy um, about foster care and about human trafficking and about all these different things that, that are so key that people need to know, but then empowering those people so that they can be all that they are called to be and beyond of what they thought to be able to, to be successful. Because as you know, there's this cycle that goes on, this generational mindsets, generational poverty that happens. We're breaking that. It's not going to happen. We're going to heal the orphan heart and we're going to set them free and we're going to watch them be completely successful in society. Man, I, I want to be a part of that. However, I can be a part of that. That's, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about too often you know, we could use that term orphaned in many different ways. You know, I, I work with, with mostly men and, and men, men feel orphaned as well. It's not mm-hmm. just children. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, it's as a child, they get orphaned, you know, by a father, they get orphaned by a mother. And, um, and it, it just continues. And that, that generational cycle just continues. You know, they grow up, they become mm-hmm. a father and they orphan their children or, or they just continue to push people, people away. And, you know, it's, it's absolutely amazing how just that trauma continues to, to feed, you know, feed the story mm-hmm. and looking at what you're doing, I think is just opening up, but here's the thing, Devin, and you know, this as well as I do, 
people have to be willing to make a change. They've got to be willing to have that transformation. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that is the hardest thing for men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, how do we get that message? How do we continue to beat that drum and get that message out? Mm-hmm. Is, is the question. Yeah, I think the more, you know, exactly what you're doing, helping men to realize that authenticity is the real manhood. The more you can share your story, the more you can be real, the more other people, the more other men will feel comfortable. You know, women don't have a problem all going to the bathroom together and sharing stories and talking. You know, guys just don't do that, you know, but you know what? You get us around on a deck watching football or playing bags and grill out. Guys will open up. It's just different. And that's okay. But we have to be willing to invest into relationships in order to do that. And sometimes guys are just too driven of their jobs, of their business, of whatever that thing is that they're not ready for relationship. They're not, um, they're not ready to dive into some of the, the healing that, the, that we all need to experience. Absolutely. And one of the things that I want to do with the Go Boldly Mastermind is, is really to bring small groups, mm-hmm. 10 or less guys, and have multiple groups, but small groups where guys can begin to build those relationships. Mm-hmm. Guys from all walks of life, all parts of the world that can come together. And then we meet live in person somewhere once or twice a year. And it's, and, and I always say, the more vulnerable you are, the more transformation can take place. Man, that's right. And we've got to be willing to tell our story. And, and I think oftentimes when we tell our story, we find that we are not alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's other people that have experienced, have walked through it, gone through it, and now they're on the other side of it. Absolutely. And that's really what I'm trying to build in, in the Go Boldly you know, Brotherhood is getting guys to be willing to share that story. Mm-hmm. and. And it's not about their story becoming their identity. It's about losing that identity, mm. Mm. creating a totally different transformation yeah. and, and, and moving forward in that. And I just think that's so important. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Such a good initiative. I love what you're doing. Oh, man, it's, it's you know, it's being in the military. I've, I've seen guys that have just, well, I just heard uh, last week, two guys that committed suicide mm-hmm. didn't feel like they had any place to turn. Didn't feel like they had any place to go and nobody would listen. Mm. And sometimes, sometimes when they think nobody's listening, somebody really is listening, mm. but they're not getting what they need. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's, you know, almost every guy out there is feeling, feeling that way in some way, shape or form of, that's I just cool. want to be heard. Mm. Yeah. You know, hundred percent. Yeah. And you know, what? it's also, you know, along those lines is like you said, teaching them that their voice is able to be heard and yeah. that people are wanting to hear it. And sometimes men don't feel that either and that it's okay. You know, it's, we hear so many stories. You see people posting on Facebook all the time about their, their life. And, and, and I'm one, I'm like, I'm not putting my life out there. You know, I'm just not going to put everything out there. You know, what I had to eat at Waffle House the other night. I'm just not going to put that out there on Facebook. But so many people do. And I think that's part of what keeps us men from sharing 
Mm. We don't want to be that person. Sure. Yeah. And it, it holds us back. Mm -hmm. And You know, in the work that I've done for the last 25 years, there's very few people that I feel like I can trust mm. mm -hmm. to go, Hey guys, this is what I'm dealing with. And then not, not be judged, you know, the Christian judgmental. Mm -hmm. Well, you're clearly not a, not a Christian. You haven't done, yeah. you know, God said this. And that's not what guys need, man. It's, it's, right. Hey brother, I've been there. I've been, I've walked that journey, mm -hmm. you know, and just, just your story alone of losing your wife the way you did. I mean, that's absolutely devastating. Mm -hmm. Yep. And where do you, where do you turn? Yeah. It, I, so many people ask, you know, if, if you were to go back, what's well, something that you would change about your past? Nothing. I wouldn't change anything because this is the path that God has now changed and transformed me into who I am today. He's wow. turned it all into good. I wouldn't be the man who I am today without these experiences. And so, like you said, it's not that we forget them. You know, the first thing that Jesus did was he went after he rose, was he, you know, he talked to Thomas and he's like, oh, hey, here, look, these, these, aren't, these aren't gone. No, these are scars now. So now our stories are scars that we can share with other people and say, this is, this is my battle scar. This is my yeah. battle. Scar. This is who I am today because of what I've been through. And that is so interesting because people, people love to ask other people about their scars, you know, whether it be a surgical scar or, you know, military, a gunshot scar, people mm -hmm. love to ask about those scars and, you know, the significance of it, just like tattoos. I love to ask people about their significance yep. of their tattoos. You know, what's, what's the significance of it? And that, that becomes a talking point. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, I, I love what you said that you wouldn't change anything because it has created who you are today. And, you know, I can look back 20, 30 years ago and go, I am definitely not the man that I was back then. Mm -hmm. I had no idea where I'd, I would be sitting here where I'm at today. And I have no idea where I'm going to end up 20 years from now. Yeah. But every bit of that has created who I am today. Mm -hmm. It's open doors. It's, it's, it's the people that I've met. It's the opportunities, it's the, the deployments, it's, it's all of it mm -hmm. that, you know, had I not made the right turn and the left turn and gone straight and gone over the bridge and I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Absolutely. And I don't know that God could use me had I not have experienced the things that I experienced because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have let him. <laughs> right. That's why, you know, some people, man, I wish I just knew what was going to happen. And I think a majority of times God's like, no, you don't want to know. <laughs> I, I don't think we've got the capacity to handle no. what, what he, what he can do, wants to do and will do. You know, we just, you know, and it's, as we, as we grow, I, I, I know that I could not have handled the things that I do today, 20 years ago. I wouldn't have, I didn't have the capacity to do it. I didn't have the mm -hmm. mental capacity to do it or the emotional capacity to do it. Here I am today, you know, degrees, people, opportunities. This is where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, do I like everything about where I'm at? No. 
but I'm still moving forward. That's right. That's right. I'm Absolutely. Sure. How, what is, what is one thing that you would, you would say to men that, that are going through some traumatic experiences or have been through some traumatic experiences, maybe facing something now that just incomprehensible. What's one, one or two pieces of advice that you would just give somebody that's, that's going through something similar to what you went through? Yeah. Uh, number, number one thing is you're only as alone as much as you refuse to reach out to somebody. Wow. When, when we're going through stuff, immediately we want to withdraw. And that's, that's just the enemy. Because why are you alone? Because you're not reaching out to people. It takes that extra step to actually reach out to somebody and say, hey, I need somebody to talk to. So that's, that's always my first encouragement is, you know, we're alone because we are kind of choosing to. Now, understand that, you know, there's circumstances. We get that. Um, yeah. but, uh, we need, we need each other. Um, and the other thing would be is when, when you are triggered, recognize that as an opportunity for you to see that this is a spot in your life where you know that something needs to be healed. And so when you're triggered, be like, okay, what happened right here? I recognize that I'm triggered. What was I triggered by? Where did that come from? That is the beginning stages of healing uh, those traumatic events and those things is recognizing that triggers can be bad, but ultimately if we, end up, if we find the root, those triggers are actually our body saying, er, stop, fix me. I need help. Deal with it. Handle it. Do what you got to do. Go through the process. You're, you're spot on, man. That's, you know, we, we try to protect people from those triggers. We try to protect kids from those triggers. We try to protect, and and I think sometimes, not always, but I think sometimes we do them a, a, a disservice by not allowing them to be to be triggered. Mm -hmm. And especially kids, you know, as they get older, it, it's going to come back. It's going to come back, mm -hmm. and they're going to have to they're going to have to deal with it at some point. Mm -hmm. Why not? earlier in life and that way it's it's you've done the work mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. spot on man how can uh we'll put these in the show notes but um what do you need what are you looking for with the orphaned heart where can guys individuals where can they plug in yeah so i mean there, there's multiple avenues uh for for people to be able to help you know uh, one of the biggest things that i would say people can do is is just being an ear a lot of times foster parents, a lot of times adoptive parents, um, the foster kids, orphan heart people, they just need an ear. They need somebody to just vent to once in a while. They need a friend. They need a mentor. And that's that's really one of the biggest things that we want to be able to establish is people to teach them life skills like, yeah. hey, uh, budgeting. Hey, how do I um, communicate effectively? Oh, you're going to do a resume, how to do the, it's things that we take for granted that some people don't even know how to cook. And so it's, it's those types of things would be the, the biggest things. And it, it can be online mentorship. It can just be, you know, any of those types of things would, are, is really the biggest, the biggest thing that, that we're looking for um, in order to help these people become all that they, they're called to be. I love it, man. I love it. I'd love to get plugged in. And um, one last question before we close, how's your son doing now? How old is he and how, how's he doing now? 
Yeah. So my son's 15. Um, and it was a year and a half ago when we had the, the near death experience and all of that, he got put into a treatment facility, um, for five years, we've been fighting that he needs to be in a facility, uh, with supervised vision. Um, and he's still there, but he is doing amazing. Um, he's, he's about 15 minutes from me and, you know, we, we get to have visits, but he gets to go back to a place to where he's structured, where he's, he feels safe to where he's got friends to where it's a small community for him. This is what he needs. And as a father, I know a lot of people don't understand that I'm okay with him being there, but I know that I gave everything that I can for him. And for us and our relationship and best for him, best for me, this is it. And guess what? We're living the best of both worlds because he's where he needs to be. He's getting the help and he's safe. People are safe and he's getting the help that he needs. And we still get to be a family together. And so, again, starting right how we started off was I don't expect people to understand my perspective or what's all going on, but I know that this is what God's called me to do and uh, he's getting the help that he needs. Oh man. That's, that's one. Does he get to come home on occasion or. Yeah. So to- yeah, I get to see him anytime that I want. Uh, we usually have visits a couple times a week. Uh, usually on the weekends we have, we spend time together. Uh, we still do the normal, the normal things, you know, I pick him up and he comes and mows the lawn. Um, you know, just because you're there doesn't mean that you don't have responsibilities. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's a good stress reliever too. So that's, that's <laughs> awesome, man. That is really, that's really cool. Devin, I look forward to, to a growing relationship with you and just seeing what God's going to do, man. And, uh, and I'm so grateful to have you on the show and uh, I look forward to, to seeing where things go from here. Sounds great. Thanks, Scott. It's good.